It's time for the Savvy Realtor Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole, the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty, serving you throughout the triangle, teaching you about the ins and outs when it comes to buying or selling a home. You can find the team online by going to acolerealty.com. That's A-C-O-L-E, realty.com, or by calling 919-578-3128. That's 919-578-3128. And now it's time for one of the top Realtors in the triangle, Angie Cole, and the Savvy Realtor Podcast. I wanted to talk about bargain hunting, Angie, because I feel like we certainly live in an age where we all like getting a good deal. Sure. Um, especially when it comes to buying a home, I think nobody's going to say, "No, I don't want a good deal." You know, I want, <laughs> I want to overpay for this. Home. Let me let me overpay for that home. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we all want to get the home of our dreams, but we also want to be able to call it a steal too, right? We want the ultimate win-win in that way. However, the pursuit of the perfect bargain home can backfire if you're not careful. I wanted to explore some of the ways buyers have shot themselves in the foot by making key mistakes in the hunt for a bargain buy. And this is uh, maybe not as common these days. Angie, I feel like we used to talk about this a lot back when you first started your radio show before the housing you know, market really started booming. But you know, kind of assuming that buying a short sale or a foreclosure automatically means you're getting a good deal. In our market, it's kind of funny because I, I get calls all of the time for from investors from other areas, other states who want to be in this area and they want to invest. And they say, well, we want this great deal. You know, we want to make this amount of return on it. And, you know, we, we kind of, we don't laugh. I almost said we laugh at them. But the market isn't there anymore. It really isn't. And we are very limited on those type of inventories that we have available. So when it comes to a foreclosure, I would say for the most part, you are getting a deal. Whenever there is a foreclosure that is available, more than likely, the value is less than kind of the market value. Um, But typically, foreclosures in our market, if they are indeed in good condition, you know, they will go quick. And oftentimes, they go above asking price. So if you're looking at a foreclosure and it's listed, just say, 200000 don't think that you can go in and offer 180. I mean, once in a blue moon, maybe, but more than likely, it's going above asking price just because there's so many investors um, or people that are looking to invest or even buy it as a primary residence, but are willing to go above asking price to win out on that home. And then when it comes to a short sale, remember that a short sale, first of all, is not a short process, okay? Um, I have seen <laughs> some short sales take more than a year. I've seen them take that long and then never close. They should call um, it the long sale. Right? Oh, it's, yeah, not a short sale. I think the quickest short sale I've ever dealt with was 90 days. And that was from contract to close, 90 days, where the norm is more of 30 days. And so with a short sale, though, a short sale is, you know, of course, a hardship that the seller has. They have to present what the hardship is uh, so that the bank um, approves of their short sale But it all boils down to what the bank is willing to accept. With them, it's a numbers game and it has to make sense for them to accept the short sale. 
Otherwise, they'll just foreclose on the home and they'll sell it on their own. So with the short sales, I don't always see that it's an amazing deal. Sometimes it can be a little bit below market value, um, but not always. It really, again, it depends on the bank's numbers, you know, what outstanding liens or taxes have to be paid off, HOA dues, you know, so there's a lot for the bank to look at before they're accepting an offer. So um, those can be a great spot to find as, you know, for being bargains. But they're not always just as as easy peasy and straightforward as what it might look. Yeah, it's a really good point, Angie. And so just be aware of when you see short sale foreclosure, you see those deals that might be too good to be true. Realize that it, it probably is just from the standpoint of there's that's not going to be the final sales price often. Right. There's, right. There's going to be that's, competition. Yep. So with a short sale, the listing price in MLS is typically the price that the listing agent has put into MLS. Most of the time, that is not an approved price, yet that has been determined with the bank. So although maybe you're listed at 200000 maybe the bank really wants two fifteen for this to work out. But with a foreclosure, that is the price that the bank has told the listing agent to put into MLS. So that's the number that, yes, the bank will accept. But oftentimes, we see that there can be multiple offers and that foreclosure can go above asking price. Yeah, it's neat that, um, you know, they've got these moving pieces and that there are these options for people, right? But it's just not, uh, there's a lot more complications that come along with those short sure. sales and foreclosures. So if you're, you're hunting for bargains, it's a good place to look, but just realize you got a lot of other hands in the bargain bin. <laughs> going you're buying the home as is as well. Yeah, Remember that, right? Exactly. So, so it's, it's going to come with the nicks and the dents and the scratches. Yeah, and you can do your thing. due diligence and inspections and all that good stuff. But you know, it's understood that you're mm-hmm. accepting the home in as is condition. And so there could be future repairs once you close on the home. Another bargain hunting mistake might be making big compromises just to score a deal. Oh, everything about this home is great. It's fantastic. But, you know, the foundation needs major repairs or something something like that. But to get in the home, I'm going to make this, I'll, I'll compromise and we'll just deal with it. We'll fix it. You know, fill in the blank of whatever the problem or issue could be. Where have you seen people make big compromises just trying to score that good deal that you've maybe had to kind of warn them against? Yeah, I've seen it more of, um, you know, maybe they have their five must-haves And they are quick to maybe just kind of push one of those must-haves to the side because, wow, this is a great deal. But, you know, remember some of those must-haves are important and are things that potentially you can't change once you close on the home. For example, you know, I've seen some homes and it looks like, wow, this is just priced so low below, you know, the market value in the neighborhood. But you get out to the home and there's no backyard or it just drops off. And although, yes, you're getting, it looks like a great deal based on what other homes have sold for in the neighborhood, you now don't have a backyard for your kids to run around in. And that's, you know, maybe long-term, can you adjust that and change it? But I bet you're going to be dumping a lot of money into bringing in dirt, building a retaining wall. You know, so be cautious on focusing too much on just getting this bargain, getting this great deal where things that are important to you get put, you know, kind of to the waistline because oftentimes those are things that you can't change. Maybe it's the floor plan is just it's the weirdest home ever, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you can't go in and just completely rearrange the floor plan. By the time you do that, once again, you've spent more money than what the home was even, you know, market value worth. So be cautious on searching too much for a great deal where you're not focusing on what's most important for you as a homeowner. 
Yeah, that's actually, you bring up a great point there. I was thinking compromising really just in terms of repairs and that kind of thing. But you're right, compromising on kind of what you want because you like other aspects. But, you know, then you don't want to get in that home and then really regret, ah, you know, we... We really wanted this in a home. Why didn't we value that? We, we compromised for all these other things, and we didn't value this enough. That, that was really more important to us than we made it, and we shouldn't have compromised on that key re- element, you know? And, I mean, repairs are one of those, too. You know, mm-hmm. be, be cautious on, to me, you're not getting that great of a bargain if there's all these repairs that are lingering, right? True. Because mm-hmm. those can quickly add up. You know, be, be careful there, too. Foundation issue, I mean, that's a, a big red flag to me where it could be, there could be nothing wrong or it could easily be a $30,000 fix. So, you know, make sure that you are doing enough due diligence and research to make sure that you're buying also a sound home, right? Yep. This one seems as another bargain hunting mistake. It kind of seems silly, but uh, coveting owner belongings that don't normally convey. You know, I guess this would be like, uh, you know, hey, we want the we want the drapes. Oh, I like the TV that you've got, you know, mounted up there on the wall too. Let's have that stay behind. And the butcher block, we want to keep that in too. And hey, there's a ping pong table in the basement. Can we have that too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, I uh, oh, this happens a lot. <laughs> but I've seen that it actually can work against the buyer. The reason being is those are personal items of the seller. And the value that they put on those those items, I bet is completely different than the value you see in them. Same thing just as like a fridge or a washer and dryer. In the mindset of the seller is, well, it cost me this amount of money to buy those. Mm -hmm. But to a buyer, you know, those have no value to them. Oh, just throw them into the deal. So um, whenever it comes to, you know, maybe trying to negotiate in belongings or personal items of the seller, I actually highly suggest that we leave that outside of the contract. You know, you can do a separate bill of sale between yourself and the seller for any additional items. But, you know, let's focus on writing up an offer and getting you the best deal on the actual home. And then if you want to buy things separately, you know, from the seller, do that outside. And also, if you are obtaining financing, lenders don't like to see all that extra kind of mess on a contract. The reason being is because whenever the appraiser comes out to appraise the home, how do they give value for a pool table? How do they give value for mm-hmm. a recliner? You know, they can't. So they actually can kick back the contract and ask for those items to be removed. So, you know, when it comes to negotiating an offer and getting the best price for yourself, actually leave off those, you know, uh, belongings uh, of the of the seller because I think that actually can hurt your bargaining power more than help you. When we bought our most, uh, our, our, our new home uh, last year, it was funny because leading up to the closing date, the sellers and I were, you know, texting back and forth. And the, do you, hey, do, do you want us to just leave this behind? Hey, how about this? Do you want us to leave this behind? Hey, do, we have a piano. Do you want to just leave this behind? <laughs> so right, was, right. Yeah, sure. And that's okay. We don't need that. Oh, sure. That'd be great. Okay, yeah. sure. You know. Sometimes it's a win-win, right? <laughs> right, um, exactly. But exactly. I've, I've seen it kind of backfire and, you know, seller gets all uproar that no no you know you can't have that too and because mm-hmm. once again it's it's special to them it's also really funny though um from 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 that perspective um like one it's great because there was some things like um the the furniture out back they left us you know a lot of like you know they had left a couple of umbrellas and like dining sets out back you know in the, in the big patio backyard area and, and some outdoor furniture and seating so it was great we'd have to go like you know populate the backyard with 
places to sit and that kind of thing already. We had all these options already. Yeah. So that, that was kind of nice. And it was just kind of like, ah, you know, we'll see the condition of it when we move in. And then what we want to keep, we can keep. And what we don't, we don't. And um, it's just really funny, though, because you also have this perspective of where you're like, yeah, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. That's fine. Now we're like totally regretting that we have the piano up here. And we're like, oh, we should probably get rid of the piano. And the thing's like a thousand pounds. It's like, <laughs> it's a hassle to get rid of now. Yeah. So. It. It's well, I mean, funny. yeah, it depends on the the buyer and the seller as right. far as, you know, right. do we want to leave these things behind? Do we, you know, not? I've seen on the flip side, I've seen some sellers who, uh, this happened to us, unfortunately, recently, where a seller left behind items and buyer goes in to move into the home and they are livid because it wasn't uh, things that they wanted to be then left that, that, that's a, that, that becomes a then little different. Then it's just a mess. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. They, like the, the seller ran out of time to f- move the rest of the stuff out. So they were just like, well, we're just going to leave it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It happens. It happens. It does. So that's one other thing there is certainly the coveting of owner belongings that don't normally convey. Just be careful getting too picky on all that stuff. Making unreasonable repair quests. I think we should also throw on the list here. So you look for that bargain, we get into that repair conversation, and then you just ask for every single little tiny repair to be made to the home. Yeah, I've actually seen that it can backfire on you. So if you have a list of maybe 10 items on your inspection report, instead of going in and asking for all 10 items, Focus on what's most important to you as a buyer. And the reason being, if you present over all 10 items, you say, I want all these fixed, I bet you anything the seller is going to be not so happy and come back and say, all right, I'll just fix one of these items. It's kind of like making a lowball offer that's very insulting to the seller. It's mm-hmm. the same way when it comes to negotiating inspections and repairs. You know, do not be unrealistic because you can actually hurt your bargaining power in your negotiations by looking like an unrealistic buyer. Sellers get offensive because to them, they've kept the home in amazing condition, but you've now just told them that their their home is a piece of junk. Um, and you're being unrealistic, so I bet you the seller's going to come back and be unrealistic as well. So yes, uh, don't make unreasonable repair requests. Focus on the major items. If there's plumbing, electrical, HVAC roof, you know, foundation, those are major. If you have a squeaky door, you know what? I bet you can take care of that after closing. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There's certain things that can certainly wait. Last but not least, Angie, bargain hunting mistake, maybe the big one of them all, working alone without an agent. And talk about silly mistakes. I mean, it's free representation in North Carolina to have an agent on your side as a buyer. So why wouldn't you utilize that great tool? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, every um, state to state is different. So it's not the same. And I think that's something that some buyers aren't aware of that in North Carolina, it's understood that it is free representation because when a seller goes to sell their home, they have an agreement directly with their listing agent of the total compensation being paid. And that includes both to pay for their listing agent and also to pay for the selling agent that is procuring cause of this sale who brings the buyer to the table. So it is silly not to have an agent looking out for you and your best interest to negotiate on your behalf, making sure you're being uh, you know, represented how you should be, and just all the steps are being taken throughout the process. Remember, if you don't have an agent, it doesn't mean that you're going to get a better deal. I know, for example, if a buyer comes to me and they make an offer on one of my listings and they are unrepresented, I'm not going to, you know, that's a, first of all, the commission agreement is between me and my seller. I am not going to now reduce my commission 
by like the buying agent commission because they don't have representation. And the reason being is because I'm doing so much more work because they do not have representation on their end. So it's actually more work for the listing agent when you don't have representation and take advantage of it. I mean, it is understood in North Carolina that, you know, buyers, they have agents and it is free representation for them. You've been listening to the Savvy Realtor podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole. She's the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty here in the Triangle. And if you have questions for Angie, we invite you to go online to acolerealty.com. Listen to past podcast episodes on the website, read the blog and all the great information, including the option to find a home right there on the website. That's acolerealty.com. And you can also call Angie with your questions, 919-578-3128. 